Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, if you remember it, we are in week three of 40 days in the Word. And during these 40 days, our goal is to do this. We want to love the Word. We want to learn the Word. And probably most importantly is we want to live the Word. You know, because it really doesn't matter what we do if we don't actually put it into action. If the rubber doesn't meet the road at some point in our faith, um, we're missing the whole point of what Jesus did on the cross. And so I have been asking many of you, and, and the question I have for everyone here today, and, and you get to answer this, and, and that's this. Have you found in the last three weeks that you have spent more time in God's Word? Like, that is the whole intent of this six-week series, is to challenge each one of us to take our game to the next level when it comes to God's Word. And so I hope that if, if you couldn't raise your hand or if you couldn't shake your head, that over the next three weeks you will jump in and embrace God's Word at a level that you've never done that before. And so one of the things that, that we have done, actually two of those things that we've done is, uh, number one is we've got a note taker. If you didn't pick one up, rush to the back and grab one. And I would encourage you, if you are one of those people that have to have something in your hands and you need to be able to write notes, every week I provide a note taker, except for the first week of this series. I told you guys about that and then I didn't do it. Um, but there's a note taker in the back and I would encourage you to fill that out. And if you are um, technically savvy, if you have the app uh, called Uversion, you can actually go on there right now. You can go to more, select an event, and you'll see our church there. And you'll see the entire outline. Matter of fact, the best thing about this is you'll know when I'm going to stop. All right? So if, if, if you're wondering, you know, look at a friend, all right, that has it. Um, and so here's what uh, I hope that you'll do is take us up and use these resources you know, because God is an almighty God, and he wants us to take advantage of everything that we have. So um, I look forward to doing this with you. Uh, finish this quote for me. And the truth will set you free. That's right. Very, very popular quote. Um, but one of the things that I've learned is that there's a difference between the truth and facts. All right, and I learned this as a, a boss. All right, so what I found out was when I would pick somebody for a job, I would find out that there, were, uh, there was a truth and then there were facts involved with that. Matter of fact, I recall one time there was a, a position open. It was an instructor position, and um, I had two people to choose from. And so I worked in the hospital, worked in radiology, and this instructor position was for our ultrasound training program. And so there, out of the two people, I asked the, the doctor who was in charge of the ultrasound area, you know, I said, well, here's our two choices. I said, what are your thoughts on this? And, and they, they said this one person absolutely cannot do it um, because they don't have the ability to teach. And to be honest with you, their scanning ability is not really good. Now, when a doctor comes and says that to me, I don't rush to that person and say, 
um, you cannot teach because, you know, you don't have the right uh, personality, you don't have the ability to teach, and, you know, not very good at what you're doing. Um, and so we ended up picking the, the other person to, to go into this role. And so what happened was this person who didn't get selected, they focused on the facts and not the truth. They focused on facts like um, that that person who got picked happened to be from Tennessee. Guess where I'm from? Tennessee. Matter of fact, that young man was at the football game last night when we crushed, um, in the name of Jesus, South Carolina. <laughs> now, folks, we, we've been crushed a bunch this year, but uh, we're going to take the victory. Um, and, and so there was that fact, and so that fact was brought up that, that we had preferential treatment because this guy was from Tennessee like I was. Um, there was the fact that he was a guy, and because I'm a guy, that that's why I picked him. And, and there was about 10 other facts. And you know what? Every one of those statements were actual. They were true. They, they, they weren't wrong. They were a fact. But the truth was missed. The truth was that the person in charge, the doctor, just didn't want that other person. You know, and sometimes in life, we go through life and, and we focus on facts. And we miss the truth. We're all guilty of this. Let me show you what I mean. John 17, 17 says it this way. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just ask, Lord, that you would allow the words of my mouth to be the truth. That they would be your message that you would be heard, that your Holy Spirit would be revealed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today, I'm going to introduce you a couple concepts. And the first thing is this, that biblical application is dangerous for a couple of reasons. And the first reason that biblical um, application is dangerous is that knowledge produces pride. Um, a lot of times in the church, we can find out that we are reading Scripture and we, we learn the scripture. And when we learn the scripture, we're really, really good at applying it to somebody else. We're like, that person's not living up to this verse. And this person over here is not living up to that verse. And oh, this person over here, mine, they'll, they'll never be able to live up to this verse. But the reality is this, that the Bible tells us that pride goes before destruction. That's the principle. You know, Bible study without application is dangerous, not only because knowledge produces pride, um, but it also is because knowledge requires action. This happened to me not too long ago. Uh, we were about to take a, a road trip, and we had uh, stopped off at Chick-fil-A, right? But we're about to be on a six-hour road trip. We pull into Chick-fil-A. Yes, God bless you, Chick-fil-A. And so we went in there, and we enjoyed the chicken. And then when we got out, and we're about to be on the road for six hours, um, put the key in the ignition, turned the ignition, and the truck didn't start. That's, that look that you all just made, I made that look. And so here we are. I just, like, I, I, as close to heaven on earth as you get is Chick-fil-A, Right? And then I'm out in the parking lot and my truck's not going to start. If I just had to go home, which was a mile away, it'd be okay. But I'm supposed to be six hours down the road. This is not 
the situation I wanted to be in. And so I did what uh, I've learned, and that was I opened up my phone to Google, and then I said, the year of my truck, uh, ignition not starting. And it, somebody had done a video and said, oh, here's what you've got to do. You've got to uh, pop off the, the gear selector switch. There's a little black button. If you just push that little black button, it'll work. Now, when I saw that video, what, you, what do you think I said to myself? No, I didn't say that. You guys are much smarter and much more developed than me. Here's what I said. That will never work. But see, knowledge without application. See, I had the knowledge, but I was debating, should I apply it? And so, you know what? I said, what do I have to lose, right? And so I popped that off. I saw the little black button. I pushed it. And what do you know? It started. We went on our trip. There was a couple times during that trip I went to start the vehicle and it didn't start. Guess what I did? I popped off the... Matter of fact, it got so frequent, I left the thing off. <laughs> the Bible tells us this in Psalm 119 and verses 59 and 60. It says, I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. See, I learned that very re- reality is that I needed, I, I saw the, the knowledge and I hastened um, in, in 30 seconds, problem solved. I haven't had that issue with my truck in 18 months. But what if I wouldn't have? What if I would have gone with my first statements? And you know, a lot of times we do that with God's word. And let me tell you Why? Because Bible study without application is dangerous because of this. Knowledge increases responsibility. You know, this is probably the the question that most people have. And that is, when or what is the age of accountability? When does somebody get to the point where they're responsible for their life and, and the events of their life? Because it's at that point that we reach that age of accountability, that we now have to be responsible for the life that we're living. And what's interesting, that age of accountability is different for everybody. You know, so for me, I knew when I was six years old that I was doing things that were wrong. And it was when I was seven years old, when I was sitting in school, when a teacher was before school, uh, gave uh, the plan of salvation, that I realized I had never asked Jesus Christ into my heart. The Bible tells us this way in James chapter 4 and verse 17. It says this, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. You know, that is as relevant to the age of accountability as that is to each and every one of us as we go through this week. When we know to do something that's good and we don't do it, that's sin. That's where we fall short of the glory of God. So if we look at those three principles that Bible study without application is dangerous in that it produces pride, it requires action, and it increases responsibility. Well, let me show you why it's difficult for us to apply the Bible. And the first reason is because it requires serious thinking. You see, the Bible is not nearly as black and white as we make it out to be. You know, it's not a line drawn in the sand and if you're on this side, it's wrong. And if you're on that side, you're right. Now, it's easy for us to put ourselves on either side of that line 
But as you start, as you mature in the faith, you'll realize that that just isn't the, the truth. That's a fact, but it's not the truth. And then when you add the human phenomena, because each of us are different. What, what did I say was the age of accountability? It's different for everybody, isn't it? The same thing is true when the Bible says to know to do good and don't do it. You know, that's different for each of us. Some of you all know some things that you should be doing and you're not doing it and, and you know in your heart that it's wrong and it's separating you from God. And then there's someone else that's doing the exact same thing and they're walking through life blissfully. And though if you read God's word, it's not the same for them. So the applying the Bible is difficult because it requires serious thinking, but also because Satan fights it. Now, um, I'm famous for saying these two things. And number one is that sometimes we give the devil too much credit. We lose our job, devil. We don't like somebody at church. They're of the devil. Maybe it's an in-law. Definitely the devil. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves, we blame the devil for everything going wrong in our life. And I would just tell you, sometimes the devil doesn't have time for you. Matter of fact, I doubt that I've ever got on the Satan's radar. He, he's pretty busy doing some significant things. But then I want to speak out of the other side of my mouth, and I want to tell you this, that sometimes we don't give the devil enough credit. And let me See, the devil creates schemes, and he puts plans into place. And since the Garden of Eden, he has been trying to, to, to destroy what God has put into place. And what we'll find out is that as we read God's word as we put it into our heart we have to apply it and if we don't apply it we're going to find out that the devil is going to derail our life he's going to derail our faith he's going to derail our impact on our community so applying the bible is difficult not only because it requires serious thinking the human phenomena not only because satan fights it but also because we naturally resist change it's it's you know matter of fact um, I think that it's easy for us to not like change. But the reality is this, that it's, it's not a, an accurate statement. It's not even a fact to say that everybody naturally resists change. Because here's, let me finish the statement. We naturally resist change that is not in our best interest. Because if uh, you walked into your job and your boss said, hey, I'm changing your job tomorrow. And you're like, oh, great, thanks a lot, boss. And he goes, oh, and it's going to triple your pay. Well, all of a sudden, we'd like the change of that job, don't we? Um, the same thing happens in other areas of our life. If it's in our best interest, change is good. If it's in our best interest, it's easy for us to say, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. But when it's not in our best interest, sometimes it's hard to say those words and mean them. And the reality is this, that as Christ followers, sometimes it's the fear of the unknown. As a church, think about this. The fear of the unknown stands before us in 2020. It's only through faith that we'll get there, we'll conquer that mountain, we'll destroy those giants, we'll impact our community in the name of Jesus Christ. So how do we apply the truth? Well, remember I told you a couple weeks ago about a book that said, Good Leaders Ask Great Questions? And I said if I was going to write a spiritual book, I would name it, Good Christians Ask Great Questions. Well, let me give you three great questions that you should ask about reading the scripture. The first one is this. 
What did it mean? The second one is, what is the timeless truth? And the third one is, how does it apply to me? And so each week I have given you a skill that you can apply in your Bible study. The first skill was that you had to pronounce it. And you would read each verse and, and you would take a word and you would stay right there on it. And all of a sudden you would find out that a little word like let means a big thing. And then last week I introduced you to, to the concept of picturing it. Where you read a passage and you put yourself into the Bible story. When you do that it comes alive. It changes. This week I want to teach you how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, how to probe it. Let me read to you in the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Matter of fact, if you would, turn in your, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 8. If you're on the app, you just tap that little button and it'll open it up for you. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you that there's facts in this passage and then there's a truth. Verse 1, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all, the, all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know that as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, the one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former associations with idols eat food as really offered up to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if this conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother to stumble. So let me just reveal the facts that are laid out here before us. The first fact is this, that knowledge puffs up. 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way, If I have all knowledge and yet I don't have love, I am nothing. Another fact that was in this is that love builds up. That's a fact. Another fact as you read through this is that you don't know everything. Another fact is that God does. Another fact that we read here was that idols are not real. Another fact was that there is only one God, Jehovah. And there was another fact, and it was this, everybody has baggage. Now, I know it didn't say that in here, what it said, through former association. That's baggage. Those are the facts. Here's the truth. You sin when you make others to stumble. See, that's the truth. And what Paul said was, he goes, I'm not going to do that. 
So now let's use this Bible study method of probe it. And let me probe this passage with you. And the way that we do that is, is we ask good, great questions. The first question that we're going to ask is, what did it mean? Well, what it meant back then was they actually offered up animals to, to God in the, the temple. They also offered up animals at different other temples to other gods. And what would happen is, I don't know if you realize this, but if they butchered a cow, they wouldn't really put the whole cow on the altar. They would just take a, a cut of it and they would put it on there and that would be offered. And then some of it would be given to the priest to kind of maintain their, their livelihood. And then the rest of it would be sent over to a market, usually that was attached on the back side. And then the money that was raised through that would go into the temple. And so I don't know if you know this also, but when you would pick an animal to be offered as a sacrifice, guess which kind you picked? The best. Unblemished. And so some of the Christians in Corinth realized, you know what? If I went to the temple market and I bought the meat, I'm getting grade A and I'm getting it one-third the price. I'm doing it. It was like the Aldi's of worship. And so they would go there and they would buy this. And then the problem was that there were some people who brought some baggage into the church. They used to be idol worshipers. They used to work in the temples. And for them, they couldn't get over that. They're like, there's no way I could eat that meat. So let's ask the second question. What is the timeless truth? Here's the timeless truth that we need to take out of this, and that is this. When we do not agree, that's liberty. You see, that's that gray area. There are things that are right for both to do. Because most of us, when we read something like this, we just want to know who's right, who's wrong. And that's just not the case because of the human phenomena. Man, I would blow your mind right now if I, could, if I shared with you some things that we just naturally presuppose as Christians that are, man, that's right and that's wrong. It's just not the case. So the timeless truth is when we do not agree, when we have that liberty, do it with love. That's easier said than done, isn't it? You know what? I'm just going to tell you, as a church, you all have responded to all of the changes that I've brought to the church with love. You have been so gracious to me. You have not thrown fruit at me. You have not thrown the Bible at me. You have not, like, drove in by my house and shot out my windows. You all have loved me. And, and, and as we look back, we see these little hard changes have made big differences. Well, um, here's what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, when it says to do this. It says, um, 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly why because love covers a multitude of sin now folks that is a hard piece of meat to chew on did, did i just read that right that love covers a multitude of sin and the way that you apply that is you know what there are people in your family there are people in this church there are people that live on the same street as you that are doing things that you believe is sin and you probably can take the scripture and like pound them over the head with it. But that's not what Jesus said to do. What Jesus said was that love covers a multitude 
of sin. Now, I know some of y'all's hearts just got started beating a little faster. But let me, let me let you rest in peace because one day, every one of us is going to stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are not going to have to answer for any of those other people. I promise you, this is not going to be part of the conversation. You know, Jesus, you know, what about my neighbor? I, I could not believe. Um, I knew that it was wrong. You know, what happened to them? I, I don't think that that is going to be anywhere close to the, the questions that you're going to ask of Jesus when you see him. The questions you're going to ask are, can I see your hands? The questions you're going to ask are, where's my baby brother? The questions you're going to ask aren't going to be about these little areas. Church, if we want to transform our community, we'll do it through love. I've tried to lead you into what God has led us, and that is we love God and we love people. We love God by doing what we're doing here today. We come and we offer up our voice in worship and praise. We love God through investing our time, our talent, our treasure. We love people right where they're at. Doesn't matter what they're wearing. Doesn't matter what they look like when they come through the door. We love them just like that. See, when we are a church that loves people like that, we won't be able to keep them out. Friday night, we loved on our community. We didn't ask for anything. Matter of fact, I, it was really funny as I'm standing at the door and I tell them that, hey, you need to get a wristband and you need to get tickets. And you wouldn't believe how many people say, oh, how much is that going to cost me? And I said, it's free. Everything is free inside. Well, that changed it. See, that's what love does. It's free. And the third question that we ask ourselves is this. How does it apply to me? How does this passage in 1 Corinthians 8 apply to me? And let me, let me just share with you what, how I think that you can apply it. And that is this. Responsibility rests with the mature. When you have a difference of opinion with somebody else about something in Scripture, if you're the mature person, just raise your hand. You are the mature person. The responsibility lies with you. Not to change them, but to love them. To be willing to love them even if they are doing things that you think are wrong. Now folks, there are some things that are wrong and, you know, sometimes as Christians we run to that. And we're like, but what about? Love them. What about the fact that we're aborting more babies than we've ever loved them? What about the fact that our, our, our political climate in America, the, the turmoil is unbelievable? Love them. Let me just give you some practical examples in the church. Halloween. You know, there are many churches that would never have opened up their doors on Halloween for trunk or treat. They're too good for that. And, and maybe I, sh I shouldn't say it that way. But here's what I believe, folks. If you don't want to hand out candy, it's okay. If you do want to hand out candy, it's okay. See, what the devil meant for evil, there's a bunch of churches in the Centralia area that took it and meant it for good. And so instead of them walking the streets in the dark, they came into a lighted, loud environment. They were given safe candy. They were loved on. And they got to go home safely. How about Easter? Well, we think Easter, that's our, our holiday, right? No. 
The, the Easter bunny was nowhere near Calvary. But you know what? Come April, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. As John Chris said, we're pro-Jesus uh, and pro-Easter bunny. What about phones in the church? Folks, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've seen people with their phones in their church and I've judged them. I'm like, I know they aren't on version. That's Facebook. How about attending church? You know, some people believe that if they don't come to church on Sunday morning that they've just sinned. Some people believe if we don't have a Sunday night service, we've sinned. Some people believe, and, and look, here's what I got to tell you. If you believe that not being in church is a sin, guess what? When you're not in church, you've sinned. How about the beach? Can Christians go to the beach? Let me just say it this way. There's some of you men, you don't need to go to the beach. Because your heart will burn with lust. And you know it. But there's some other you, I don't know how, but you can go to the beach and that doesn't affect you. See, that's the human phenomena. What about alcohol? I think about the, one of the first times I did communion here, I referred to the Welch's grape juice that we used as the wine. And I saw a bunch of families wave off the wine because they thought it was real wine. Here's one thing I've learned, folks, is I just take Scripture for what it says. And here's what the Bible says. It says, be not drunk. And a lot of times that's what we focus on. Well, but we forget the rest of the verse. It says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we would work more on being filled with the Holy Ghost, the being drunk part wouldn't be a problem. If we, we, we would work more on the loving, the knowledge of what they're doing is wrong wouldn't be a problem. So the question is this, and what am I doing going to make somebody else stumble? Is, is us having trick, trunk or treat going to make someone stumble? Easter egg hunts going to make someone else stumble? Using our phones in church, I encourage you to use them, make someone stumble. Not having a Sunday night service, is that going to make someone stumble? Going to the beach or mixed bathing, is that going to make somebody stumble? Alcohol, do or don't, is that going to make somebody stumble? See, here's the reality. When it comes to each of us, the way that we approach it is the answer. See, many times we will approach it with selfishness got a great illustration of this in my personal life in that um, my oldest grandson, Declan. I love spending time with him, and I love taking him out and buying him any kind of candy he wants and any kind of food he wants. It's the joy. But recently we found out that dairy products don't work well with him. It just gives him bad diarrhea. And, and I found myself wanting to buy stuff for him and putting it back. Why? I am. See, I could have been selfish. Like, you know what? I don't care what his mom says. And then I would hurt him. 
And you know, many times we do that as Christians. But I don't care. The Bible says I have liberty. We hurt other people. And let me just share this with you. The person that gets hurt is going to be the weaker person, and much more likely they'll never, ever come back to church. If it's not selfishness, it's arrogance. And arrogance, basically, we just say we're superior to somebody else. I know better. I've got the intellectual rights to this. That's not what 1 Peter 4, 8 says. Or maybe it's just out of insensitivity or ignorance. You know, many times as Christians, we walk around in ignorance. You know, when I look at our country and I look at the race issue going on in our country right now, there is so much ignorance. Because when you sit down and you actually talk to somebody who's on the other side of the table, it's a whole different conversation. And when we don't know about that, we say things that are very insensitive. We do things that are very offensive. That's not what 1 Peter 4.8 says to do. And the bottom line is whether it's selfish, whether it's arrogant, or whether it's insensitive, at the end of the day, it's sin if we do it. So the question is, are we going to fall into that trap Or are we going to do something different? You know, I started off with a quote. And I said this, and the truth will set you free. Well, you know, that quote is by none other than Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one who said that. Matter of fact, the quote comes from John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32. Let me just read that to you. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. Listen to this. And the truth will set you free. You know, there's a... Let me, let me just go over some facts with you. Here's the first fact. Come on up, Jermaine. You are a sinner. That's a fact. Not only are you a sinner, but here's another fact. That the payment for sin is death. That's a fact. Not only are you a sinner, not only is the payment of sin death... But Jesus paid the price. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a fact. But it doesn't end there. Here's what I know. That not everyone who claims to be a Christian is saved. Folks, it's a fact. That's reality. Don't make that mistake. The Bible tells us, listen to this. Here's the truth. If you turn over to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, it says it this way. Or I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, here's the answer. The truth will set us free. And what the truth does, it allows us to love freely. It allows us to love like we've been loved. It allows us to see Jesus. Join me in prayer. God, I just thank you. I thank you that, Lord, you've given us some tough medicine today. 
God, there's many things in your scripture that we take as a presupposition, Lord, and yet we forget 1 Peter 4, 8. And we don't allow love to cover a multitude of sin. Matter of fact, God, we don't even allow it to cover one or two sins. And God, I just asked you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive our church and allow us to be a church, Lord, that listens to your word, that puts it in our heart, and we apply it. We love you, Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.